for the second year in a row. The first pick is yours. Take it away. All right. With the uh, first pick, the Archer Select Grant Amen from Penn State, the Tackman. I tell you to be different and creative and think this way. A much used business cliche. Kayla. What is outside the box? You got it. We're flying high with the wings and talking all things lacrosse. You're now listening to the Outside the Box podcast right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. What's going on, everybody? We are back. Welcome into episode number 128 of the Outside the Box podcast right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. KB and Dom coming at you from Underground Studios. Before we get started, you know we got this college draft to talk about. You know we got you know, to brush off our shoulders a little bit talking about lacrosse and sports gambling. But before we get into all the good stuff in this episode make sure you check out our friends at design tree that's dsgntree.com search outside the box we got new merch in the works it's coming very soon so you're going to want to keep keep our design tree storefront bookmarked in your favorite web browser and when you go to check out use the promo code spring 20 going to save yourself 20 percent off your entire order at checkout and then our friends at Tomahawk Shades just dropped some new sunglasses on their site. They look just like your blue light glasses, Dom, but they're sunglasses, whole new collection they got, and uh, we're going to save you some money there, too, because you're probably like, all right, guys, you know, what's in it for me? Why are you advertising these sunglasses, these blue light glasses? Well, Tomahawk Shades hooked us up with the best promo code they got. Use the promo code USP at checkout. Going to save yourself 25% off. Your entire order. I cop mom a pair of new sunglasses for Mother's Day. I got a new pair of sunglasses coming. You know, it's getting brighter outside. Tomorrow it's going to be in the 80s here in Jersey. I might have to just sit outside wearing my, my tomahawk shades. You guys can do the same thing. Promo code USP at checkout. Save yourself 25% off your entire order. Dom, how's that new... Uh, that new setup going for you. Dom got a new computer, guys, and that thing is absolutely wild. It's sick. <laughs> yeah, it's sick, dude. I I like it a lot. We got a PLL college draft to talk about. Only two rounds, so a little bit different than last year. It was in prime time this year. Didn't have to uh, over-caffeinate ourselves and stay up at 2 a.m. to watch the draft this year. Put it on at 7 o'clock, which was beautiful timing for me because I got to watch the college draft and then roll right into my three-hour season 40 of Survivor finale, which was absolutely epic. Uh, But the PLL college draft has come and gone. We're going to get into 
friend of the show, Joe Keegan's article he put out on the PLL website as well. But it was obvious that Grant Amen was going number one overall. And he cleared that up on uh, the Unbuckled Chin Strap podcast that came out recently. It is Amen, not Ament. Uh Grant goes number one to the Archers. He's playing with the bunk bed boys. That attack combination, you know, you you lose Christian Cuccinello, but you put Grant in there. We'll Tom Schreiber it. coming back. What a filthy, disgusting foursome right there. And then uh, pick two, Brian Costable goes to, the, goes to Atlas to pretty much solidify that midfield. And, you know, not that he's – Super old, but some could say that, you know, getting a midfielder right there when Paul's ready to transition and retire from playing, you got your young midfielder right there in Brian Costable. Water dogs, though, man. Yeah. Actually, surprisingly not taking a face-off guy. Yes. But they take Michael Krause at number three. That attack group along with chaos and I might put Redwoods in those three teams, water dogs, chaos and Redwoods might have like the best combination of attack groups in the league. Are you speaking solely on terms of depth? Yes. Because the archers have the best attack in the league, but who's behind those three. It doesn't matter. You don't need to take those three out. That's fair. You- you let Grant, Marcus, and Will play the entire game. You don't need to take them out. That's fair. That's 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 just me, but you don't need to take those guys out. <laughs> <laughs> the Water Dogs add Michael Krause to an attack group that now has Christian Cuccinello, Dr. Ben Reeves, Kieran McCardle. They've got uh, essentially an offensive-minded midfield as well with Connor Kelly, Wes Berg. They've got Ryan Drenner in there on the attack as well. And then in the uh the entry draft, they got one of the best midfielders on the planet in Zach Courier. And they have Rylan Reese as their LSM. This Water Dogs team is shaping up to be pretty damn good on paper. Yeah, that's true. You're not lying. I mean, you're not wrong. I'm just spitting however, facts out here for the people. However, I personally say <laughs> preseason, pre-championship series, pre-training camp, earn your spot on the team time, the Archers have the best attack in the league. Fair enough. However, the Chrome... Chrome, uh, Chrome my, are my locking boys, up on defense, though. My boys out here are uh, addressing the main area of weakness last season that they had to deal with in a shoddy defensive unit with a new coach that's focusing on defense. It makes sense that they take Tom Rigney from Army and with the fourth pick. And blew up everybody's draft boards. Yeah. Yeah, nobody was expecting that. But they acquired two defensemen uh, in the Tuttle trade. Now they add Rigney to this defense. It's clear that 
Sudan is coming in and is like, we're going to build. We've said this before, too. You know, once we started looking at this roster more, they're building from the back end up. Because well, he, uh, he was a defensive coach. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. He's he's historically been a defensive dominant coach. So, you know. And when your defense is lacking and you've already got Jordan Wolf and Justin Gutterding on your offense, can't complain about what Chrome is doing this offseason. Yeah, like last year they were they were a team that like hoped to win the faceoffs and score a lot of goals to offset the amount of goals that they were letting in. And it didn't work. Right? There were you know, the few games where they were the team that set the record for the most goals scored in a game until Archers blew that out of the water mm-hmm. in the playoffs. But, you know, that's the kind of thing they were – they needed to have a game like that every single weekend, and that wasn't going to happen. And early on, they weren't even giving themselves a chance to build momentum because they were switching on and off who was taking faceoffs. You know, one week it was Simina, the other week it was Connor Farrell. And nobody really got a chance to get into a groove until Starja, you know, during the second half of the season was like, all right, let's just let Connor Farrell run rampant out there. And as soon as he got in a groove, Connor Farrell was in, you know, the top end of, of faceoff guys in the league last I think year. We'll see, I think we'll see a lot more consistency from them this year. I agree. Year. Plus, you look at what they did in the entry draft. They added Jesse Bernhardt and Donnie Moss. Again, more defense. They're, they're playing bully ball. That's what this Chrome team is going to do in 2020 during the, the championship series. They are going to bully <laughs> opponents and allow their defense and Connor Farrell to just feed to Jordan Wolf and Justin Gutterding. Chaos, though. <sighs> Andy Towers just is very on brand and likes getting chaotic. Uh, they added in round one Matt Gaudette from Yale. One of the most clinical attackmen in NCAA last year. Uh, I think I think Keegan said, uh, "Do uh, goalie saved thirty nine point six percent of his shots? That's less than two fifths of his shots. That's amazing. I mean, like he's one of the best finishers, and he comes from a school that literally won the NCAA title a couple years ago." He he played with, if I'm not mistaken, Ben Reeves played at Yale, correct? Mm-hmm. And and that's when they won the title because yes. Ben Reeves was an absolute monster. That was what Ben's senior year. Yeah. Um. So, you know, you're talking about a high pedigree player mm-hmm. from a school that you know normally people wouldn't say like, oh, you know, they're the top end of the NCAA, but you probably haven't watched the NCAA right. in the past few years where Yale is a top ten team. Where if you get a person from Yale, especially an attackman from Yale, they're gonna be good. Um, and I think that you know, like you said, it's very on brand for Coach Towers to take another attackman, uh, whether it's just to keep that attack line deep or to potentially have some guys convert and play offensive midi as well. You know, Coach Towers likes to play a, 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 a somewhat box style on the mm-hmm. offensive end uh, with that uh, with middies on a rope. You got offense coming in, defense coming in when the ball is in transition. Um, so you'll see, a, you'll probably see some offensive sets where there may be four or five attackmen out there at one time. Plus, if I'm not mistaken, both of 
Andy Towers draft picks, Canadian. And and absolute ballers too. Jeff T is a baller. And we Jeff were... T was Jeff T was a ball. It's a shame that he, he, we didn't get to see him play this year mm-hmm. because he was the other guy in the headlines up there with uh, Michael Sowers uh, uh, and Sowers and Amet and all those guys. He Jeff T was like the third guy being talked about. Mm-hmm. It's amazing that he fell it so deep into this, you know. When, but I mean, like when the other teams aren't even looking for attackmen, and the other two attackmen are taken, right? Kraus and Amit, who were on everybody's big board, and top three picks. You already everything. took Gaudet. So, yeah, so you know, it's it's amazing he fell that deep though. Like, and obviously, for the reason that we don't know if he's going back to school yet or not. He hasn't exactly. officially declared, exactly. which we'll get into that as well. Um, but Andy Towers, Chaos, I think they're becoming Canada's team. They are. You know, I think Team Canada is, is Chaos, and uh, Redwoods are just uh, they're just face-off machines. They, I mean, well, they needed one. They did. Obviously, uh, they have Jerry Raganese still on the roster from that midseason trade, and then. Um, they drafted Greg Piscolgin in round two of the entry draft. But, but they need to keep competition to see who the best one will be. And who better to draft than a guy in Peyton Smith who literally works with Greg Gorenlian? Exactly. You exactly. know, my, my thoughts when I saw Nat take Peyton Smith was, all right, how much did he console Beast on just – Peyton's style, how he would fit with Redwoods, and, you know, is he going to fit what Nat does with the face-off position, and who better to console than the guy who was taking face-offs for you last year? Nat's also all really good at picking those players from, like, lesser-known schools, mm-hmm. diamonds in the rough, for lack of a better term. Um, also, like, uh, where's, where's, where is it? Uh, Smith won 63.2% of his face-offs as an upper He's an absolute animal, yeah. dude. So, so you know, we don't. We obviously don't know if that'll translate well to the pros. It's a completely different level of uh, competition. However, uh, when you're that dominant in the collegiate level, you'll be able to maybe have. You may have a rough time at first, but you'll learn to adjust. Um, and anybody that is like uh, a member of the Face Off Academy and learning from the Gorenlians. You learn how to adjust. You learn how to, you know, uh, battle at the X and and make those uh, changes in your approach to the face-off so that you can end up beating your opponent. And that's one thing, too. It's like, yes, Marist is a smaller school, and any guy who's coming out professionally that's a face-off guy, it's literally a 50-50 chance that they're going to either thrive or fail because it's such a major jump at that position to the pro level. But I'm pretty sure Keegan wrote this in his article and I saw a couple other people tweet about it and I had the same thoughts. If a guy is literally working for Greg Gorenlian, I'm going to bet on that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because Beast is, you know, the best to ever do it. He also works with Trevor Baptiste, the the yeah, best face-off uh, this, guy in the league now. This is what 
Keegan said. Here are the knowns. He's a technician. He's committed to the position, and Greg Grenlian believes in him. That's enough reason to take yeah. him in the first round. And I'm sure Nat had multiple conversations with Greg to kind of you know do a deeper dive scouting wise on Peyton Smith to to make sure he was going to be the right fit. Yeah. And then whip snakes, the rich get richer. They kept all their defensemen protected from the water dogs. And they're just like, Staggs just says, you know, I'm going to throw my bandana on like I did at Penn State. And uh, we're going to take another defenseman. And they add Sean New from Holy Cross. They, they uh, the whip snakes, they, uh, they made sure to address the one thing that everybody was asking questions on once they saw the protection list come out, and that was depth, right? Mm-hmm. And in the entry draft and, and, and everything else, they addressed every major need, mm-hmm. and now they're just filling in, right? And now they have one of the most deep teams overall throughout the league. And, and I'm really curious to see how competitive the Whip Snakes really are now. It's right? going to be interesting with their attack because literally on paper, it's still the Matt Rambo show because they didn't truly get guys to replace Ryan Drenner and Ben Reeves for what they did for that team last year. But I feel like the way that Staggs is building this roster, it's going to be a very offensive-minded midfield group led by Zed, led by Zed Williams, who they got in the entry draft. Uh they added TJ Camizio in the second round of that draft. And then we'll get to their, their second round pick in here with, with Matt Hubler from Hopkins. But but I you think, also have guys like Max Tuttle. Yes. You've got Dylan Maltz. You've got these guys that can play both midfield and attack. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the – And actually, when you've got a lot of guys that are you know Maryland products as well, a lot of the guys, even midfielders from Maryland, played attack in high school, mm-hmm. and they were converted. So, you know, you've got guys that will be able to fill in if needed. But really, like, I, I know you, you say the Matt Rambo show, like, it's kind of a negative thing. I, I think but, it's a positive because it's going to it's gonna feature what Rambo does best, where he's yes. going to be surrounded yes. by midfielders that are going to feed him and allow and, him to take another step forward in what he does offensively. As long as you can pair Rambo with one guy on his attack line that's a finisher, i.e. like what happened when he was in college, when they won the title, he put the team on his back to do it, That that's all he does. That's his play style. Matt Rambo is the quarterback of your offense. Mm-hmm. He's that good to, to be able to you know, have the team on his back and, and run the show. And you don't need that that stud, you know, that studded three-pronged attack. You know, you can have him, you can have a guy he can go to, and you can have a guy to initiate offense from behind with dodges because he's dodging from the left side uh, or from the right wing, excuse me. And And they, like you said, they already have a very good midfield. You know, they have a lot of tools offensively. And, you know, it, it's just the, the whip snakes were all about, let's get that defense there. Let's get the defense right. And, you know, adding, adding these guys uh, helps with that depth. Like, they mm-hmm. kept the same defense, so they're going to have to earn their spot. But right. 
it's always it's always nice having choices. Here's where my hot take comes in before we dive into the second round. Because obviously Rambo's like the the star attackman, the the one guy that sticks out. And you said if you add one more attackman to go alongside him to kind of be for lack of a better term, the Robin to his Batman. Mm-hmm. Chaos has a, a plethora of attackmen on that roster. Obviously, yeah. Connor Fields isn't going anywhere. Sure as hell doesn't look like Josh Byrne is going anywhere. Uh, you added Matt Gaudette. Curtis Dixon is on that team. From every time I've talked to Coach Towers, he is super excited about coaching our boy Austin Stotts. So I don't think Stotsy's going anywhere. What what would you say to Stags calling up Coach Towers and saying, "What would it take to get a uh, Miles Thompson over into a Whip Snakes uniform?" Miles plays with Zed Williams in the NLL with Georgia. You have a connection there. Miles Thompson and Matt Rambo together as a one-two punch would be very fun to watch. And he plays the same. He plays the right position on the attack too. He's not playing behind. He's playing on the other wing, mm-hmm. which links up well with Rambo. So, are you saying an attack for defense swap? I could or see it. You know, midfield swap. I think either one works. You know, whether they want to give up a midfielder or a defenseman. Obviously, chaos has a, a very strong young defensive unit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean. Maybe you, you send over a midfielder to play alongside some of the guys that they still have that didn't get taken in the uh, expansion draft. I don't know, but it seems like every time anybody talks about this chaos roster, Miles Thompson never gets brought up as you know a piece that's going to be weird, very weird to me because Miles is a, a superstar stud. And he balled out last year. Yeah, when he was on the field last year, he was, you know, that attack line of, of Byrne, Connor Fields, and Miles Thompson was lethal. Yeah. And I'm wondering, you know, with Curtis Dixon coming in, Austin Stotts coming off the injury, Chaos adds Gaudette and Jeff T. if T comes out too, there's going to be a ton of guys fighting for, you know, three to four game day spots on that attack line for Andy Towers. Yeah. Interesting. Miles Thompson would be very fun in a Whip Snakes uniform with Rambo. Honestly, I wouldn't even be surprised if they tried to trade one of these rookies. Yeah. If T comes out, I think he stays. Because if if he was solidified, definite, coming out, I think he would have been a first-round pick. I think somebody would have taken him. I whether agree. it was Coach Towers or another team. I agree. But, I mean, you could dangle a, a Gaudette there. You could dangle almost any of these attackmen and and pick up a, a bounty in return. Well, you can dangle Curtis Dixon if you wanted yeah. to. Yeah. Curtis Dixon and Rambo? Let's not speculate. <laughs> we'll save that for another episode. We'll do a... Round two. Water Dogs... Get the guy to go pound for pound with Charlie Cipriano. I love this pick for Coach Copeland. They get Matt DeLuca from Delaware. They have four goalies now, but you need in it, with a position like goalie, you need to see who wants it the most. Right. You need to see it. Um, I think at, at 
the, the best case in point for, for that is look at, well, no, I'm actually not going to say that because it would be kind of messed up for me to say it. Never mind. Scratch that. But, um, you like when you have four goalies, you need, you, it's, it's because you want to see who wants it most. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've coached teams that have only had two goalies and when you're the backup, Right. There's always one guy that kind of stands up, but the backup is just like, oh, I'm the backup. And, you know, there, there it is. When you've got four, you've got guys that are trying to earn their spot. They're coming out in practice and, and, and making sure they're doing all the right things, making sure they're getting those extra reps at home, making sure they're they're working hard to do it. Um, so, I mean, DeLuca's obviously the best goalie in the class. He's really good. Um, Only goalie taken, too. Yeah. I think he makes it. Oh, I absolutely I, do, too. Especially... Cipriano and him are going to be the, the two goalies yes. that are kept on the team, in my opinion. But it's tough. I see this very tough. much like, you know, and I think DeLuca's going to have a lot of success... And you see the the rookie success we saw last year with King Cannon and with Tim Troutner. So it's it's possible for a rookie goalie to have success in the PLL. Mm-hmm. I view this Cipriano Deluca tandem very much like Scotty Rogers and Jack Kincannon. Yeah, you got the young buck, you got an older veteran coming in, and they can learn from each other. And they're going to have battles in practice to see who's going to start in these games during the championship series. But I think this pick for the Water Dogs, I like it even more than I like their Michael Krause pick. I honestly also think it's a pick thinking with the future in hand. Absolutely agree. Right? Um, You want to make sure that you get a goalie that's good and you can groom to be your goalie for many years ahead. And, And I think that that's the case with this pick. You need to make sure that you have that guy. Yeah, I I love this pick for them. Um, I think Deluca is going to have a lot of success in the league, not just this year, but years to come. And um, you know, we saw the success that, like we said, with Kincannon and Troutner last year, they were absolute beasts. Kincannon was the freaking All Star Game MVP. When do you ever see a goalie win an All Star Game MVP? Um, but I'm I'm excited to watch him play. In this championship series. I've seen a goalie win an all-star MVP before. His name is Scotty Rogers. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, next pick, Chrome continue to bolster from the back end up. They get Reese Eddy from Boston University, LSM. Chrome, Chrome has been doing a lot of fun things. I'm excited to watch them play, dude. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. Because that's my squad. <laughs> I never dropped them. I never dropped them. I stayed true, and and uh, it, it's it's looking like it's good. I mean, I mean, I, I would like to see Dom Stars just still there, but uh, you know, uh, they they look. You got an LSM now. You you picked up a defender. You're bolstering that defensive unit, making sure that you're not making the same mistakes as last year. You you've got guys. You've got guys on the offensive end, and and that's one thing that I've been saying about Chrome going into all these drafts is like you have guys offensively. 
if you want to find some pieces here and there, that's that's good. But you need to make sure that you're getting the defensive guys for that unit. And and they really made an effort to do that. They're going to be fun to watch this year. They've got a face-off guy. They've got a goalie. They've got offensive threats. You know, Jordan Wolf, Gutty, Crotty. They've got these guys. And and now you're 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 bolstering, you know, the anchors of the team. Plus, uh, you like with Reese Eddy, he's gonna be able to, you know, learn from Jesse Bernhardt, mm-hmm. who they brought in in the entry draft. Those are two quality LSMs to be mm-hmm. on. A I team forgot that's brought like, him in, to be honest. Chrome is like rebuilding their identity. Because I feel yeah. like last year they were a team that just had no identity whatsoever outside of Gutty and Jordan Wolf doing their thing. Connor Farrell burst onto the scene, obviously, as a rookie. But outside of that, Chrome just seemed like that team that was kind of like in limbo last year, like trying to find themselves all year long. People started paying attention to Connor Farrell because he talked about how he drinks a gallon of milk a day. What a savage. Pouring milk on himself Now he's shit. pushing trucks. And then people were like, wow, this guy's actually a good face-off guy, too. <laughs> yeah, pushing trucks and shit. Like, like and just, week one, it, he just absolutely laid out. I forget who yeah. it was at Gillette, tapping into his football background. The only person that's a little bit more crazy than uh, Connor Farrell and his milk drinking habits is the guy that just got drafted in the NFL draft that <laughs> forget make that ridiculous, like, protein shake after every workout it's like <laughs> eggs and oatmeal and gatorade, gatorade. and peanut butter and like, like, <laughs> like that's that's like connor farrell like times 10 what an analogy <laughs> <laughs> i come i come correct every now and then dude but I get a couple more white claws in me, then I may, I may have some some better ones. <laughs> Hashtag not a sponsor, but we're open to white claw becoming the official drink of the Outside the Box podcast. Uh, but like I said, I'm excited to watch Chrome, especially in this championship series, because I think they are finding that defensive identity, and I think that's going to pay dividends in a two-week-long tournament like this. Wait, what'd you say? I'm sorry. With Chrome, you know, kind of building this defense, I think the way that they're building this team, obviously for the short term and the long term, but in this two-week championship series tournament, I think having the defensive mentality that they're going to have is going to pay dividends. There's, I'll say three. There's three main things that you're going to need to have to be successful in a championship series like this. Number one, you need a deep team. Um, Chrome has now been working on that. We talked about like water dogs, chaos, uh, whip snakes, right? These guys, these are deep teams. Redwoods. Well, uh, really, when you're looking at every team, they're they're fairly deep, mm-hmm. right? I think so each team has team, gotten deeper this year too. Exactly. Number two, you need a strong defensive unit, and number three, you need a stalwart goalie. The goals, the offense, that stuff will come. Every team has their stars. Every team has the guys that will get get it done. But you need to have those three things. And I don't know if this is just my, my coaching mentality as well, but it's it those three things for 
a series that's going to take over the course of what three weeks. Yeah, pretty much. You're playing. Your each team is playing what six games in, in over they, the course. I think they play four games in the uh, quote unquote regular season portion, and then obviously yeah. they have the playoff bracket where every team is playing. Yeah, so the so you're playing four, five, six games minimum. You need a deep team because these games are going to happen fast. These games, you're going to have intense practices. Training camp is probably going to be a short amount of time, so you're going to have to go hard. You'll you'll see injuries. Mm-hmm. You're going to see guys playing tough, and if you have something nagging you, maybe you don't recover in time. Right? You have a bruise that's that's that just won't go away. You know, like. You need the depth. You need the strong defensive guys. You need a good goalie. Everything else falls into place afterwards, and and you start you're starting to see it, especially in this second round. You yes. see it. You see it from a lot of the teams, right? You see, we need that defense. There were just guys in that first round that were too good to let mm-hmm. go. But in the second round, you you just see like we talked about pick nine. We'll go into pick ten with Atlas. They took a defenseman. Yeah, they go. Back to the Yale farm. This draft was very, you know, two guys from Yale, which was nice to see them get the the recognition of talent that they have. Uh, Aiden Hines goes to Atlas, and I tweeted at Diggs today because he was tweeting about the offense that Atlas has, and obviously adding Brian Costable is a huge boost for that team. But I said Atlas just needs to make sure that their defense isn't like a New York City subway turnstile like it was last year. Because <laughs> that goal differential was atrocious, and I think adding I think a guy like Aiden partially Hines, because of what the Archers did. To <laughs> no offense, but it's kind of partially due to one game, Kyle. Now I got to look up their their games and what their scores were because. Yeah, I, I I call fact check. I call a challenge flag on that one. You got to look that up, dude. So week one, they their goal differential hit minus two uh, when they lost 11-9 to Redwoods. All right, just keep going. I'll do the math in my head. Then uh, they lost 18-13 to to Chaos in New York. So they're at minus seven. Then they won 13-12 to against Chrome. Minus six in Baltimore. They lost fifteen to ten to Whip Snakes. Minus eleven. They won thirteen to twelve against Archers in Atlanta. Minus ten. They lost eleven to nine against Whip Snakes in DC. Minus twelve. They beat Redwoods eighteen to fifteen in Denver. Minus nine. Then they lost in San Jose to the Archers fifteen to eleven. Minus thirteen. And then in Canada, they beat Chrome 17-14. So I said minus, oh, where was I, 13, right? Yeah. And you just said what, 17-14? They won, so. So they're at minus 10. Then they won 12-9 against Chaos in Albany. So, so minus, minus seven. 7. And then they won 17-8 in Columbus against Chrome. So they're at plus 2. And then they lost... In the draft pick game in Philly to Archers, 25-7. to seven. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> That's 18. They're minus 16 on the season. Yeah. 
It's pretty bad. Again, like I said, <laughs> partially because. But they also partially had because they mainly also had, because of that one game. They had two games where they lost by five goals. They had the San Jose game where they lost by four. And in a league like this, where it's been back and forth for the most part in a lot looking, of games, yeah. Looking at the per game differential, yes, you you do see that they do need to to fix that. Talking about overall goal differential, it's it's partially because it's mainly because of whopping. <laughs> I don't even want to call it that. I, that was that was coronavirus levels, like <laughs> like like it was bad, dude. That was. I was sitting in the stands just like, what the hell? I thought every single active player on that Archers team was going to score a goal that day. I was laughing in the stands. We were laughing in the press box. I was laughing, dude. Like, oh, my God, it was hilarious. I'm sorry to any Atlas fan listening. I'm sorry to any Atlas player listening. (laughs) I really apologize. I know it's something that you have repressed in your brain. Uh, you don't want to think about it, but it's never like going to not be no. spoken of anymore. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Let's move on. They add Aiden <laughs> Hines to a defense that I think is looking to get younger. Obviously, they have Cade Van Raphorst, friend of the show, um, that is going to be kind of a a start of a mini young core on that defensive end for Atlas, and that's their biggest thing. They need to improve on defense if they want to be competitive. It- if they can, if they, and, and the main, and the thing that I'm really tuning into is you're saying they're young and that's big. Mm-hmm. If you can, if you can keep a young defensive unit together for a couple of years, let them grow together, learn, uh, the coaching style, learn the team style of play, learn about each other and just grow as a unit. They're going to be good in a, in a few years time. And and the one thing I like about this now is you're, you're looking at a league that's new, and you're seeing already the teams that want to win now and are able to win now, and you're looking at the teams that are looking into the future. And you can kind of already pinpoint teams that are going to be powers in four or five years' time. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, like we were talking about with them – Getting younger on defense, obviously, they still have Tucker Durkin, who's just a, a brick wall back on defense. They've got Kyle Hartzell on defense. And for two young guys like Cade and for Aiden to learn from those two guys, I think will pay dividends for them being successful in the long term on this Atlas roster and just continuing to improve on defense. They have the attack. Their Their offense is loaded. And we talked about that even last year when everybody was speculating that this Atlas team was just going to wreck house. Yeah. But it just never clicked on every single level every week. And the defense needs to step up so you don't waste that offense. That obviously has added Rob Pinnell to it. They add Brian Costable in a, a midfield position. And so you don't waste Trevor Baptiste. He's a walking cheat code at the faceoff position. Exactly. Don't waste what he creates at the faceoff because your defense is just like, oh, here you go. And then you're also wasting Jack Kincannon, who I think is a damn good Uh, goalie. Kyle, I may shed a tear with how far you've come with your lacrosse knowledge since we started this. Dude, dude, you're spitting straight facts. That's all I do. 
facts out here, dude. It's all we do Wonderful. on this show. Facts Wonderful. only. No printers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna hang up right now. <laughs> Let's go to pick eleven. The Archers, uh, they tap into the defense as well. They go to Johns Hopkins and take Jack Rapine. I think it's a great pick for them. Again, bolster that defense. Build a a, a brick wall back there to help what Dom said is the best attack in the league. If, If you can stop teams from scoring on you and have those three guys up top. Exactly. You're, you're going to dominate. Exactly. When you've got threats like that, you've got one of the, no, cause Atlas has one of them too. You have one of the top two inside finishers in the league in mm-hmm. Will Manny. You've got one of the best snipers in the league in Marcus Holman. And you add Grant to that, who is a pass-first ex-attackman. And you have Tom Schreiber as an offensive-minded midi. You've got you've got Tommy, Captain America over here, and 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 like so you've got the offensive firepower. You've got a team that put twenty-five goals up against Atlas in in a playoff game. They earn that Grant pick. You so they they've shown they're able to do it. And you, you need, like you said, you need to build that wall on the other end of the field because they're going to put goals in. And this is what I was talking about when uh, uh, we were talking about the Chrome as well, right? The Chrome had a team that needed to score more than the other team, and they didn't have the defense. Mm-hmm. Well, archers have noticed that. They they said to themselves, "Well, look, we we've got the offense. Let's just focus on making sure that we don't get scored on." So taking a defenseman makes sense. And in the entry draft, they took our guy Eli Gobrek to bolster mm-hmm. the defense. That already includes Matt McMahon, who I think is one of the best up and coming defensemen in professional lacrosse. And also one of the nicest human beings on this planet. Uh, if Jackson Place can come back healthy from his scary injury last year in the playoffs, uh-huh. that's a, a huge boost to the defense. Agreed. And they've got Mike Simon back there as well. I think this Archers team could be one of one of, if not the most improved team overall just by adding what they did in the college draft and what they did in the entry draft alone. Just adding four players like that of the caliber of players that they are, this Archers team is going to be very, very good. I agree. I agree. And we we talked about it earlier, but pick 12 comes around and Andy Towers is like, all right, let's stir this bad boy up, and he takes Jeff T from Cornell. Obviously, Jeff falls to round two because it's not a foregone conclusion that he is turning pro. There's still uh, a big chance that he goes back for a fifth season of college lacrosse. But again, if Jeff Teak comes out, another fellow Canadian, and plays for this chaos team, 
That's already a beast. What, what defense is stopping this group of attackmen? Nobody. <laughs> like, led by Connor Fields, Josh Byrne. This is, like, like the only argument, the counter-argument to, to my take is this take, right? Chaos have the best attack in the league. And, and, and the, the best argument to this is they've added two really, really good attackmen to an already deep attack unit, right? Like you said, they've got Miles. They've got Connor Fields, Josh Byrne. Jake Fricaro. Curtis Dixon hasn't even seen the field yet. Austin Stotts hasn't seen the field yet. They've they got have too Jared, many. They've got Jared Newman taking two bombs from twenty. Yeah, like see, and this is this is this is like where my like I would argue that Chaos don't have the best in the league because you can't play all of them at the That's same fair. time. They have the best depth. I'd say they have the best depth. They have the deepest attack mm-hmm. unit, but some of those guys, like we talked about earlier, probably you're going to get dealt. Mm-hmm. There's a reason you have that much depth, and it's because you want to hold on to assets where you can potentially use them to bolster the team later on. And it's not like the normal situation of a season is happening this year where, you know, week three you can play different guys compared to week seven. Like, exactly. you've got two weeks to find some chemistry that works and plug and play some guys here and there. But exactly. you've got you've got Austin Stotts who still hasn't even played yet. You've already got Miles Thompson, Josh Byrne, and Connor Fields as the starting line. Some of these guys aren't gonna be okay with just being a backup. You just brought in two more attackmen that are from that are highly sought out attackmen. These two guys were on the national like stage being talked about. And here, let me let me talk about this. We talked about Gaudet's uh, conversion rate. You know who shot? You know who goalies saved at an even lower rate? Jeff T. Goalie saved thirty three point seven percent of his shots. So, what what do you do? Right? You you can't play all of them. You're going to play some at midi, and and maybe one of them gets caught on the far end of the field and has to go back and play defense. That's where the team's going to going to attack. That's your weak point now. And let's also not forget this. on this attack, they've got Mike Bocklet, they've got Eric Scott, who's uh, an up top midi that Andy Towers has played at attack. And they've got a, a midfield that has our boy Deemer class. Mm-hmm. They've got Sergio Salcedo in there. Mm-hmm. They've got Mark Lassini in there. Mm-hmm. It's like, who do you play? They've got Kevin Buchanan, Pat Resch. Who do you play? You have good middies. You can't play all the attack. Jake Ricaro at midi. People are going to get dealt, and I like your take that it may be Miles. Why, why draft two rookie attackmen, right. right? And have Austin Stotts going to play this year? Because the thing is, too, and Joe Keegan tweeted this because I'm pretty sure somebody asked on Twitter, if Teat goes back to school, does Chaos retain his rights? And Joe Keegan said no. Yeah, which so, is interesting. 
that could be a wasted a pick. Big gamble right there that Andy Towers took. If Teat goes back to school, that's just a lot. However, pick. it's a calculated gamble that oh, absolutely. is that that has a very low risk in my opinion because they're so deep at attack, right? Absolutely. This is this is kind of where I see it. If Teat does come to the league, somebody's being traded. If Teat doesn't come to the league, then you don't have to trade anybody. Yep, and then you look at next year's draft class, you know, obviously chaos with the the roster they have. We don't expect them to be at the top of the draft, but with how deep the attackmen coming out next year are going to be, yeah, you could just add somebody of you know equal talent or something that fits your roster that much better. Exactly, exactly. So it, it's I think it's a it's a it's a low risk high reward kind of mm-hmm. kind of or it, it's high risk high reward, but like still kind of low risk. Yeah, it's really not that big of a deal. Calculated um, risk, high reward. Yeah, and and. I mean, shit, there's been three drafts. And by this point, some teams are already set. So this is kind of like one of those, it's not even like a draft and stash, it's kind of like a draft and pray. And kind of like. let's, let's not forget, Andy Towers just loves depth because in the entry draft, he took Dylan Ward at goalie when they already have Blaze Reardon, who won goalie of the year. And in the second round, he added to that midfield and took Jason Noble. Yeah. Another stud midfielder. Yeah. So Andy Towers is just bolstering as much depth as possible, and if Jeff Teat comes out, good grief, that offense is going to be close to unstoppable, and Miles Thompson might be a whip snake. <laughs> <laughs> Pick 13, Nat St. Laurent goes back onto the board, and he adds to his defense, and I love that this might be one of my top three favorite picks from this draft. He adds Chris Price from High Point to go to that defense when you lose Matt Landis to military obligations. High point's been very favorable to Redwoods, a la Timmy Troutner. Chris Price has been talked about hashtag online as potentially the steal of the draft and him going to Redwoods that already has a very formidable defense led by a Ray Lewis type in Garrett Eppel. I, I like this pick a lot, and Nat is just, he's sneaky as all hell. Well, you want to talk about just a steal of the draft. Like, I think Nat just steals the, Everything. the biggest diamonds out of the rough in the entire draft. Look at, listen to the names out of, listen to the names of the colleges from everybody else except for the Redwoods picks. Um, with the exception of maybe, you know, the Whip Snakes pick, Penn State, Notre Dame, Virginia, Army, Yale, Mer- uh, Delaware. Uh, but that's because he's a goalie. Boston University, he's a specialist position, LSM. Yale's, Hopkins, Cornell, Hopkins. Like, And then the Whipsnakes took somebody from Holy Cross, but the Redwoods took somebody from Marist, and they took somebody from High Point. Aside from Timmy Troutner, the only person that I know played at High Point that is like should be playing in the PLL is, uh, what's his name? He's an attackman. Oh my god, I forget his name. Oh, it's gonna bother me that I don't know his name right now. He wasn't even a he wasn't even an Under Armour All American, he was an adrenaline all American, and when he played in the adrenaline, I think he took it as disrespect. And what year? He played in the, uh oh man, a couple years back. He's gotta be a senior by now. So he's still in college? Junior, senior, something like that, yeah. We were talking about him 
I think a couple yeah, shows ago I, too. I talked about him before on the show. I can't remember his name. He's got a real lacrosse style name too. He's light skin. Asher, Asher Nolting. Yeah, yeah. That's the only guy. Yeah, he'll be a senior next year. Yeah, that's the, that's like the only guy of like quality I know that plays a high point. Mm-hmm. The only other person aside from the three that we've just talked about that I know played at high point is some guy that plays in my ULAX league. Who's a complete <laughs> dickhead dude got in like four fights in the men's league. Come on, dude. It's a men's Come league. On, You're not playing. And apparently he didn't even play. He, he like tries to, I guess he tries to like flex. Like he played actual D one, but apparently I heard he played club. Nice. Come on, dude. Like it's, it's men's league. You're trying to start fights because a guy threw a check at you. Carry Timmy Troutner's equipment. <laughs> Yeah, come on, come on, come on, fam! Like, like, nice. You know, you're playing, and and the funny thing is, like, he plays with shoulder pads on too. Nobody in that league plays with shoulder pads. Nobody in the PLL plays with shoulder no. pads. God damn it! Get the time <laughs> and this guy was complaining. This guy was complaining about a fucking what a buffoon. Get to get a fight. Like, uh, let me stop talking trash if, in case he does listen to us. But, <laughs> uh, um, but back to the point. Back to what we were talking about. Uh, Nat has, has that like uh, knack of finding these guys. And I and think that's I, a testament to him being a small school coach, too. I was just about to say that. You're reading my mind, Kyle. Levels to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he gets to see different players mm-hmm. just as a coach. And, and he gets to see a wider pool of players where some of these scouts and some of these coaches may not get to see that. They only get to see the guys on the national stage from these bigger schools. And when you've got the guys that, that, that look between those lines and, and find those other players that can make that jump to the next level, you, you look for skills. You look for specific skills. You look for specific, specific things that they do. And and uh, I guess Nat sees something from Chris Price. I don't watch a lot of High Point, so I can't really talk too much about it. And, I mean, just look at the Redwoods roster of, you know, not these big-name, in-the-headlines-type schools that were on the team last year. Brent Adams, Fairfield, graduate 2012, and Brent's a freaking stud. Uh, you know, even Rutgers for Jules. Not the biggest name lacrosse school. It's on the up and up. It's not in the same breath as some of these big name schools. However, I would say that Jules had Rutgers on the map. Yes, agreed. Because Jules was a high profile player in the NCAA. Absolutely. And Rutgers was kind of always in in contention in games they played because of him. And and now, because of that, Rutgers is on the up and up. And I Mm -hmm. do agree with that. But yes, Rutgers isn't one of those perennial programs that that you, you hear about all the time. Obviously, Timmy Troutner at High Point, Gunnar Walt, his backup, Bryant University in Rhode Island. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you've got, obviously, a, a ton of the Notre Dame guys on this team as well, but... You've got a new was... guy from Duke on that team. What's that? You've got a new you got a new player on that team straight out of Duke. Who's that? You not know. They traded Salcedo for him. Oh, right. Miles Jones. <laughs> You've also got the legend K-18 from Hopkins. 
you've got uh, another legend uh, from Maryland. Uh, you uh, you've got you. So I think I think uh, Matt does a good job of finding the balance of taking mm-hmm. high-profile college guys and and those kind of sleeper picks, and, and and that I think makes the dynamic of the Redwoods really interesting and really. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's it's really appealing to fans who are who are coming to look at the PLL. Right, you know, a lot of a lot of fans in the PLL will will jump on the the bandwagon for a team with the players that they like, or you you you've got people that don't even like a specific team because players they like are on a bunch of different teams, right? But maybe you have that sports fan who's just getting into lacrosse, doesn't really know much about the players, and and they want to look for a team that has a dynamic for something that they like, and maybe they like that mix of. You know, we've got the high-profile studs with these guys who have come from, you know, smaller schools who are just ripping the league apart, and, and it creates this awesome team dynamic where, you know, they're one of the top teams in the league. Yeah, the Redwoods are for you. If you're looking for something that's run-and-gun, high-scoring, real crazy offense, you know, you've got personalities on the team, go to chaos. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for that that real crisp high scoring action but just the game is played the right way you're going to go watch archers mm-hmm. right if you're looking for that underdog story you may watch chrome right or water dogs or water dogs uh you want to jump on the bandwagon go to whip snakes right right uh if if, if you want to watch some legends of the game play and, and, and a team that wants to do it the right way but have gotten unlucky, and, mm-hmm. and they're really working back to you know make sure that they put their stamp at the top of the league, you're going to watch Atlas. Yeah. Like, like a lot of people went to Atlas because they had those big-ass names right. on their team, and, and they got unlucky. So, And I even look, you know, going back to Nat's drafting style, looking at his draft last year, before he even touched uh, a huge name school. He took two Ivy League guys right off the bat. He took Clark Peterson in round one, who was a very good rookie for them before he got hurt. And then in round two, he took Tyler Dunn to play midfield from Penn. Yeah. Before he went and took Brendan Gleason in round three from Notre Dame, then took Tim uh, Troutner in round four. And then obviously we know the undrafted free agent story of Ryder Garnsey. Yeah, we don't even have to speak on that. <laughs> uh, and then with the and last but not least, Matt Hubler, Mitty from Hopkins. Very interesting that uh, Stags goes to Hopkins to add to this uh, very Maryland heavy Whip Snakes roster. But uh, during the draft, he talked about how he got a chance to watch Matt Hubler play because he played with his son. Uh, for a year, so they have a personal connection, and I think that's going to pay dividends uh, for Hubler in the league because he's got that instant connection with Stags. I agree. I agree. I think that's a great. That's a that's that's a that's a great dynamic to have. You know, you have that you have that connection already. He already respects you, right? He's going to listen to you. He's going to be very coachable. And you can mold him to become the defenseman or the midfielder, excuse me, uh, that you really want on your team. 
and I think I'll have I think I'll have a successful you know uh, tenure with the Whip Snakes. Overall, for these teams having to adjust from it being a four round draft to a two round draft, I was very impressed. Uh, just by the way that each coach was like ready, they were locked in with who they were taking. Um, they did say on the draft that any draft picks that were traded during the trade window. Uh, obviously the most notable one being that second round pick going from Redwoods to chaos. That's going to carry over to 2021. So chaos gets that second round pick in the 2021 draft, which could be even more valuable next year. Looking at things. 2021. We talked about the race for Tohoka, but Michael Sowers is in the draft in an already attack deep draft all those Penn State boys Mac O'Keefe and you're also talking about teams that may not even draft an attackman because they need to address other spots you could see a guy like the Hoka drop which is just stupid and god forbid chaos ends up with a pick and the availability to pick the Hoka to play with Austin and potentially Miles if they don't leave but like stupid <laughs> yo. the 2021 college draft is going to be absolutely ridiculous yo if it's only two rounds how the hell are they gonna fit all this well next talent? year hopefully when everything is back on track it'll be a normal draft and i think we'll be four rounds again i think they kind of condensed it just knowing not all the guys were gonna be like next year td Ireland's gonna be in the draft that's true that's true that's true td's going back to school He'll be in the draft next year. TD is going back to school. Like, the the talent that's coming out next year, they might even have to expand the college draft rounds to be more because of the talent that's coming out. And That's crazy to think about, right? And we speculate that an eighth team will be in the works. Yeah. I, I think they're going to have to. But they ain't ready to talk about that, though. I think they're going to have to, just with how loaded – that draft's going to be you think about who's going to come over in the entry draft which could be led by Lyle Thompson yeah <laughs> yeah oh my god dude don't even let's not even talk about that Lyle PLL 2021 Tom- is going to be a historic year for the sport of lacrosse Lyle Thompson Jesus. Oh my god, dude. Don't <laughs> don't get my mouth start to like watering before we haven't we we haven't even played this championship series. We yet. haven't. And looking ahead to that, after all three of these drafts are done now, these rosters are pretty much set with who's gonna be on there. How you feeling about these teams? Chrome. All day, baby. I, I no, like what I Chrome like, is done. I'm I'm right there I with think you. I it's it's going to be extremely competitive. I think the Water Dogs in the expansion draft played re- did really well. Mm-hmm. I think I think um, Atlas obviously you know made headlines, you know, and and we made our joke the league is rigged, but uh, we we uh, talked about made, them adding Rob and. You know everything. We didn't even talk about 
them adding Romar Dennis too. Yeah. Like Thank you, my boy. Um they they you know, they made headlines adding some high profile mm-hmm. guys and then making sure they drafted the right players to fill the holes that they needed to fill. The archers got their guys, right? They they made sure to uh uh, bolster the defense, get their guy with the first pick. Get the best player available. And... I think I think it was smart not trading the pick. You know, yes. I, was, I was talking about them trading to get some guy that was already established. Mm-hmm. I think it was great keeping their first pick. Um, uh, Grant said that, I, that Will and Marcus are already sending him film. Jeez. They're, they're workaholics. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're workaholics. Showing in the bunk beds in Utah. But I think I think it's but, but that's again that's why too right mm-hmm. they're they're also coaches and it's that coach mentality in yep. the back of their head. like we need that we need him to to watch this we need him to watch film we need him to understand what's going on the inside and the outs mm-hmm. that's the reason they're so good too they they don't just think about the game as a player they coach yep and they're young they division they coach a division one college program. There's a reason they think about the game like this. And, and um, you know, I, I, they're, they're one of my top two teams right now. But um, I think with, with chaos, it's, it's chaos. That's, yep. that's really what it is. Like, they've got a lot of things. And that's my biggest question mark coming out of this is the, what do they do? They have so Every many decisions kind of look very settled, right? Every other team looks like they've got it. They're locked in. They're ready to go. The whip snakes added to their depth, um, uh, team wide. So, so the whip snakes are looking reloaded and ready to go and defend that title. The redwoods, you know, Nat's making the right moves for his team. He he already made the moves in the other draft and the trades and everything else to to make sure that his team plays the way he wants and he just has to get the specialist guys mm-hmm. and 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 you know, the little nits and pieces that he needs to put in. Chrome is, is, is building up that back line, which they needed to do. Chaos, what do they do? Where do they go from here? Chaos has so many decisions to make on the attack. They have a lot of decisions to make in the midfield. I think the, yeah. the most solidified unit they have is their defense. Yes. They, they've got the young defenseman, Jack Rowlett. Johnny Serdick's going to plug right in for where Brody Merrill was. And then, obviously, our guy Troy Ray back there as well. Jared Newman's a Jared big personality Newman. in the league. And, and you can't get rid of that, too, because he's like he's one of the identity players for mm-hmm. chaos, right? He, he was the one guy that was very open to bringing the ball down the field and letting it fly and scoring all the time. And then you saw more players start doing it, and more players started doing it. And then the bomb it. squad was created. Exactly. So, but, yeah, like you said, like, you've got – and, and you made a big point of talking about some of the midfielders like Deemer Class and Sergio. Big for Carl. You've got these guys that are really good midfielders, really good offensive midfielders, but then you've got like seven, eight attackmen on the team. And what do you do? And you have two starting caliber goalies. You've got Blaze Reardon and Dylan Ward. What do you do? <laughs> and so, you know, it's... It, I'm curious to see what Coach Towers has up his sleeve. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him trade some people for a midfielder. 
Like, like, and, and when I say midfielder, I'm talking about big name. When you've got the trade assets that, that chaos has, mm -hmm. like, listen, you heard all the names were dropping. They've got draft picks I, for next year. I don't think that they're going to move any of their midfielders. However, they have a ton of attack. They have two goalies that are that should both be starting in the league. Yes, no doubt. And you and you have draft picks. You have enough assets that you can put together a package that can bring over somebody big to bolster that midfield line. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. Yeah, I mean, you look at our our prediction, you know, our speculating earlier, Whipsnakes has a, a lot of midfielders. They kept, I'm pretty sure, all of their midfielders but Drew Snyder in, you know, the Water Dogs expansion draft. And then they added Zed Williams and TJ Camizio in the entry draft. It, 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 it sounds even more likely that your take could happen. Makes sense and could happen. We don't know. We'll see. Miles would look damn good in a whip snakes uniform. <laughs> Put him in that red snake skin. I can see it now. A, a slighter, a, a lighter shade of red. It's brighter. Give it's him that, that teal helmet with the scales. Teal? Yeah, the whip snakes have that, have that like teal green. I think I think it's more turquoise. That's fair. Like a turquoise. Whip snakes need to add in that that forest green that they have too. That's what I'm hoping for because I don't think it'll happen this year. But obviously, you know, a couple months ago we saw that yellow redwoods helmet. I'm hoping each team gets a third uniform next year. I think I think once the league reaches a certain level, you'll you'll see that you'll see it because that would be fire having like those alternate ones every team has kind of like other than maybe like the water dogs because we don't even know what their jerseys look like yet every team has like a a three color kind of mm -hmm. logo right the archers are orange white and then two technically shades of blue mm -hmm. give me an atlas orange has archers the light, uni atlas has the really light blue right they have the sky blue they have the hopkins blue They've got like a dark shade of blue. They're like all different types of blue. They got that some bone white. white. Yeah. And uh, the eyes Chrome, on that Atlas logo are purple. Yeah. Chrome's got the South Beach colors. Mm hmm. Right? Light blue, pink, black, a little bit of purple. You know, you got that going on in the helmet with that. Uh, chaos with the, with the red, the black, the, the gray. White. We need a red chaos uniform so bad with that like mosaic tile pattern yeah. that they have. I want a pink chrome jersey. Yes, totally agree with you. Everybody says teal. No, give me the pink. Yeah. Redwoods. They've got the brown. They've got the green. They've got yellow. We've seen merch that they sell with with red. And that bear logo, like there's a lot yeah. to do with the Redwoods logo too. And then Whip Snakes have that forest green in there with that teal and the red. I need those alternate ones, man. Give me the alternate unis. Yo, you're a graphic designer and you listen to the show. Send us some mock-ups. Big facts.
Dude, I can't wait to see the Water Dogs uniforms, though. I'm very excited. Because you've got that purple. You've got the black. Are they going to go with white? Are they going to go with gray? Gray and purple could be crazy. Would look nice. I I hate how so many people hate the all-gray jersey. Like, like when other teams have done it, like the Timberwolves did it in the NBA. Mm-hmm. There's some soccer teams that have done it. Real Madrid did it a, a few years back. Um, I'm a fan of the gray jersey. I think it all depends on your accent color for me. Like, if it, if it helps accentuate what your your main color is that might be in there to show off your logo, mm-hmm. I think it can be done really well. And I think it would be done really well with that purple that's in the water dogs. I agree. I agree. Look clean. I agree. I'm very. I. Are they going to wait until the championship series starts to reveal those jerseys? No, I don't think so. Because they need to. They need to put something out. They need to. They need to have like helmets and everything ready mm-hmm. for training camp. Which I, we've we saw the helmet at LaxCon, and it looks crisp. So so they need to have some sort of at least practice jersey or something to come out. They need to start selling merch because once mm-hmm. the championship series starts, you're going to have people that are rooting for the team. They want to buy the merch. So I would assume that it should be coming out fairly soon. Which the PLL tweeted, I want to say, a week or two ago, what should we add to the store? They don't add these damn shorts to the store, Dom. <laughs> I'm going to blow a gasket. How are you going to tease during Halloween when they were selling those Halloween costume packages the Atlas one for well, you dress up as Paul Rabel. They put shorts in there. I need team shorts in the store. I, I agree. I would I, wear the hell out of those. I'm a big fan of shorts, especially lacrosse shorts. And the lacrosse short evolution has gone from being some loud, obnoxious, like crazy pattern on, on your shorts to very comfortable and good looking mm-hmm. looking shorts. So, uh, I need them. I need them. Yeah, give me, I, I give me all the pair. all the pairs of shorts in the PLL store. Yes, I need them. Please. ASAP. I'm a big shorts guy. Same. I'm a big, I'm a big shorts guy. Yes. <laughs> like, give me give me every team's shorts. I'll be rocking them seven days a week. Hell, I'm wearing the OG Vineland High School lacrosse shorts right now. It's that easy. Comfortable, comfortable with my violin lacrosse hoodie. But hold up, I got Millville lax underneath. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that don't know, Vineland and Millville are like the biggest rivals in the country when it comes to high school rivalries. One of the longest football rivalries in the nation. It's a good time and. Millville starting up a boys lacrosse program, Facts. which we're trying to foster the rivalry between both schools. Granted, Vineland High School keeps their lacrosse program. True, but uh, that's that's something I could talk to you off off the pod. True. About. Speaking of Vineland lacrosse, shout out. It's to- all speculation, by the way. Oh if, yeah. If anybody from Vineland is listening, that's all speculation. I. I if, if if you want to hear what I what kind of 
thoughts I have on that, you can just message me or something. That's that's nothing. There's no factual yeah. basis behind it. Speaking of vinyl and lacrosse, though, shout out to our homie Michael J. Twenty ninth birthday. The OG. He ain't, he ain't affiliated with that anymore. <laughs> he, but shout out Mike. Shout out Mike. He built shout that. Out. He built that. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say that. Yeah. Uh, my coach has built it. <laughs> <laughs> He's still our guy, though. So happy birthday to the That's OG. my guy. That's my guy. Uh, we still got a lot of things to discuss in the lacrosse world. We still have... Uh, our interview with our girl Jen in the bank that'll be coming out soon. And we're going to dedicate, even though it happened a couple weeks ago, we're going to discuss this whole MLL draft situation because there's some interesting picks in there. And uh, I have some takes on, you know, just the direction that the MLL went with their draft. And uh, got to talk about Kevin Crowley being in Philadelphia year round too. But, I was very thrilled, obviously, seeing the PLL draft in prime time on NBC Sports. Um, very job well done with it being remote. And uh, I'm ready for this championship series to get started. But last thing we got to talk about is we were right, Dom. Give us the credit. Sports gambling's coming to uh, PLL this summer. Yes, sir. Sports gambling officially coming to the PLL. We talked about it on our last episode. We talked about it on previous episodes. It just pretty much confirms that Paul and Mike Rabel listened to OTB. I'm ready to make all the monies this summer on the championship series. Let's do it, bro. We're going to make tons of money. You know, it, it, it's just We're gonna too make easy. Tons of, nah, it's, it's BS. I'm going to lose all the money. <laughs> It's just too easy, you know? We speak it into existence, and then boom, it's there. We can only speculate that they listen to the pod, but I'm very excited for sports gambling and sports betting to be part of the lacrosse world now in the NLL and the PLL. It's going to bring in such a wave of casual fans to the championship series this summer, too, just because it's something to bet on. And even if it just gets one person... To, to hook in and, and buy into the league, that's a win. So sports gambling's coming. We'll have segments probably dedicated to it because we're going to help you guys win some money too. Even if we don't win at all, we, we're going to share the wealth with our listeners because you guys are the absolute best. And uh, once we get back to five out of five stars on Apple Podcasts, we're dropping some new merch because hashtag wise guys never win. Dom, we're currently at 70 five-star ratings and reviews. 70? 70, but we're still at four and a half out of five stars, so we got to get back to five out of five. But once we get to 100 overall, Dom's going to read all those bad boys. And uh, like we said, hashtag wise guys never win. And I'm trying to get my mustache back. We're trying to do that Stephen Keogh treatment right there. Yeah, wise guys never win. Like just a cutting our friggin' logo out. <laughs> Facts. Thanks for the promotion. Uh, make sure you guys subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. And if you don't have an iPhone, Spotify, Google Play, 
Stitcher, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, or your friends. You can follow us on the Twitter machine at OTBLaxPod. You can follow Dom at Wash Lifestyle. You can follow me at KBIZZL311. And you can check us out on Instagram at OTBLaxPod. We're still kicking. We got we got a lot to to lead up to this championship series to talk about. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a wild ride. And uh, I can't wait. I can't wait either, buddy. Let's go. Let's get it. I'm making money. We're making all the monies. Shout out to that PLO mic'd video of Miles Jones. Thank you for your business. That's going to be us all summer. To all these sports books. We're just mean, thank you for your business. Because we're making all the monies betting on the PLL. But uh, again, shout out to our awesome sponsors, Design Tree and Tomahawk Shades. Make sure you guys use our promo code on Tomahawk Shades website. USP at checkout. Save yourself 25% off your entire order. Helps us pay the bills. And uh, helps you look good styling and profiling with a quality product for an affordable price. With our friends at Tomahawk Shades. Congrats to all the draftees. I'm excited to see all of their numbers roll out. We saw Grant wearing number 16. I like it. And uh, it's got some backstory to it. I'm pretty sure I retweeted it. It's for one of his teammates that passed away that wore the number 16. And Chris Sabia also wears it. Another Penn State grad. Um, So I think that's a pretty cool tradition that they're kind of carrying on to honor one of their former teammates. And uh, because jersey numbers matter to me. If you want to look good, feel good, play good, you got to have a good jersey number. Yes, sir. But uh, that's all we got for you guys. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Do all that good stuff. Because uh, you didn't you didn't study immunization, like Diggs Tape said. Don't come at me with that mess. This has been episode number 128 of the Outside the Box podcast right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Dom, I'm Kyle. We are signing off. Peace. Yes, sir!